Hey there, horny listeners. We talk a lot about safety on this podcast, and that includes the importance of safe toys that are actually designed for sexual pleasure. Bunny Shop's carefully curated products are body safe and prioritize quality, aesthetics, and safety. Bunny Shop takes a boutique approach to shopping for adult toys, with a wide range from affordable gems to unique luxury items for all experience levels. What I like most about Bunny Shop is the approachability. They've created such a welcoming space, and none of it's dark, intimidating, or feels like it's gatekeeping. And if you like pink, they've got you covered. Bunny Shop also donates a percentage of all sales to a non-profit of your choice. Plus, they ship quickly and discreetly. Let go of your shyness and embrace your self-love journey with confidence. Save 20% off your order today when you use my code BIGTOP. Visit bunnyshop.com, that's B-U-N-N-Y-S-H-O-P-P-E.com. Spelt with two P's and an E at the end. Don't be shy, let your freak flag fly. Sometimes, things that are expensive are worse. And welcome to The Big Top. I am your host, Barney, and today I got to sit down with this year's Puppy UK runner-up, Pup Snap, who takes the time to describe how he found the title holder community and how it helped to shape him into the pup he is today. There's no story time today, since I have an important announcement to make instead. The Big Top is going on a brief hiatus while we shift behind the scenes to a new podcast host. I'm going to take the opportunity to pause recording while this change takes place, and we'll be back with episode 16 in two weeks' time. During this short break, I won't be going anywhere and would still love to hear from you, so please feel free to spam my inbox at thebigtop.pod at gmail.com. That's thebigtop.pod at gmail.com. And I will see you all on June 27th when season two continues. Until then, don't forget to rate and review this podcast and tell all your friends about the weird guy who likes to have sex with clowns and talk about it on the internet. This week, the circus is for once in London, England. And I invite you to join me as we go under the big top. And my audience are um, terrible perverts, so just make it really <laughs> sexy. <laughs> In other words, don't be afraid to talk about the good stuff. You can talk about, I mean, we can go, like, I've gone, sometimes it's super silly, sometimes it's uh, it's gotten pretty horny before. It's it's an eclectic mix. We're just here to be ourselves and we're not here to be perfect. But anyway, thanks for doing this short notice. I'm glad that I managed to pin you down. Um, so the first time we met was Pride and that whole day, obviously you were super busy running around. But for me, I was just like, it was my first pride. So I was soaking in everything and it was very, very overwhelming. And I was in rubber and it was the hottest I've ever been. And I was in that thing all day. The smell when I peeled it off my body was absolutely rancid. Um, and then what was worse was uh, Cassie was so drunk, I had to take his rubber off of him and then he passed out on the bed immediately so then i took i was like cleaning his rubber because it smelled so bad along with my own also uh, anyway it was a great it was a great it was great ah well cassie's lovely and i'm glad you had a great time at your first pride i think that was my sixth pride uh in london and uh, yeah, as I uh, as I always say, Pride is a funny day for me because my professional and 
private life collides in the most spectacular fashion at Pride. Like literally one minute I'm photographing celebrities and working with the mayor of London. And then five minutes later, I'm being gang hugged by a pack of rubber dogs in the street. Uh, you know, and then another five minutes later, I'm working with my corporate clients and my work colleagues from um, London Transport. Uh, and it's just the, uh, the just the fact that everything is just like, you know, I, I took a I took a selfie for Peter Tatchell on his phone and, you know, for him uh, and gave that back to him. He's like, can you take a picture for me of me and this lovely man? And I was like, yes, yeah, sure. And yeah, let me do that for you, Peter. You know, and then as I say, like five minutes later, you, you're hanging out with the mayor of London. We've had we've very different experiences. Yes. As <laughs> I I say, when, you're busy, running, but... when you're running around with the media credentials. Uh, yeah, it's a very different experience. And also, you will walk to the parade once. I went up and down that route about five oh, times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I that I did think as well. I was like, "You poor thing, running up and down." But I mean, get your steps in. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm dead by the end of Pride normally. Okay, you've so obviously you've photographed so many people in this community, and you you take such amazing photos. But I'm now curious. You, you say that Pride is where these things, these worlds collide, but it seems to me that these worlds collide for you a lot, and they're very intertwined. What then sort of came first? Was it like photography or or kink? I guess. Well, I would say that photography and media probably came first. I was one of those kids who, when they was like seven, eight years old, grabbed a camera on holiday or whatever and started messing around with it uh, and just dicking about. And uh, that's how I just started learning. Um, I'm one of these photographers who didn't go to a, a university to get a degree in photography or anything. I just spent my childhood fucking about with cameras and going, <laughs> well, why does it do this? Well, why does it do that? You know, and again, back then I was using film. I was using like Olympus point and shoot cameras with film. So you'd only have like 30, 40, uh, 40 shots. In fact, you you can see this, but your audience can. But I have here some of the earliest photos I ever took. Whoa. So like there's a giant pair of trousers being hung outside what was then the Excel center. Gosh, it's so weird to see like proper film photographs. Like I'm just trying to find some other pictures. Like I remember when putting them in a folder was the thing. That's how you kept your photos. Yeah, I think these were taken in, I'm trying to think of the year. If you want an idea of how long ago it was, you do you know Canary Wharf? Very well. There was just one tower then. Jeez, whoa, how long ago was this? Probably, well, considering my sister looks that big and she just gave birth last week, so... So a little while. Yes, cool. I'd probably say these were taken in 1997 or 1998. Cool, I don't think you want to know what I was up to in 1997. <laughs> yeah, so for me, photography was one of those uh, hobbies. And then when I got into my teens and thinking about career, and originally I wanted to be a filmmaker wanted to make documentaries and work in TV or something like that. When then did the kink side, of, like when did that happen for you? When I was at university, uh, when I was eight, when I was of age, um, <laughs> there's probably some aspects of kink that came up in my childhood that I just mm -hmm. was not aware of. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, you know, there's always those odd cartoons or yes. movies that you go, oh, this scene really, I don't I know feel why. funny. I've, I feel funny, yeah. <laughs> Help. Um, yeah. So there was that side of it, but that wasn't really... They didn't come together until 
I was 18 and was at uni and was able to actually like properly start to explore my sexuality. Was it put play then first? Um, to a degree. I mean, I've always would say that it's been there in the background. Mm. Like I've always been into um, that kind of leash play and bondage and the kind of um, dehumanization and such. Being a filthy mutt. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> um, but it's just, uh, it was the furries originally that kind oh, of yeah. helped with that in terms of I, when I was um, going to some of my early, making making some of my early furry friends in the north of England. So I was at university up in York. Uh, they were a couple. They still are a couple. Uh, in fact, they're married now. And uh, they uh, they were in a kind of, you know, they were having a pet handler dynamic or master-slave dynamic. And that was the first time I was coming across that in an actual relationship or in terms of actually seeing it, not just reading about it in some story. So they, they helped me initially with some ideas of, you know, what's good, what's bad, what they were getting out of it, what they were, how they were negotiating things like that. You know, the, all the things that a young, a wide eyed person goes, Oh, you're one of these people. Tell me all everything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's uh, wonderful. And then again, again, over time I grew my own social circle, I eventually, once I moved to Bristol, started to get involved in the kink scene more properly. So I went to my first like kinky gay night out at a club somewhere and got to try on a pup hood for the first time and things like that. So it was an evolution, really, of, you know, I grew up with a bunch of stuff that made me, as you say, feel funny. Then, you know, you're reading, you're reading, I don't know, uh, you know, erotic stuff on the Internet or reading um, people's, you know, fan fiction or whatever uh -huh. it is you uh and all that stuff and then eventually you know got to a point where i was in my uh probably around my 20s where early 20 you know 2021 where i was actually getting into like going to my first like kink events and such before i moved to london well, did you um did you fuck with like proper long form prose because I, I you know i love reading a good story but it's got to be it's got to be short I, I i don't have I don't have the <laughs> sexual patience for a novella. <laughs> I don't like super short, but I'm okay. not someone who's looking to read a 500 page novel either. Right, right, right. But I, I do like those, those, those short stories. There's a, there's, a, I think he's still out there, and I'll give him a shout out. I think his name was Snoopy. Um, but there was a, there was a, there was a guy who used to write a lot of really good. I hope his website still exists, but I think he was called Snoopy Pup. But he used to write loads of really fun erotic uh, fiction on his website on his blog um and some of those were really fun and they were often very similar kind of themes of like someone messaging someone on the internet and being like i want to be a dog and this person being like oh you'll be a dog all right just uh -huh. you wait and of course by the end of this by the end of the story they're like um you know they've been like put in a rubber suit uh, mm. mitts and you know, all the stuff that happens to take away their humanity and they just you know, as Silver would put it, dog noises. <laughs> is that then for you a big element of of pup play? Is the absolute wiping away of of all humanity and becoming becoming this thing? Fantasy wise, yes, I'd say that I'm very much into that kind of. You are going to be uh, a dog, or you're going to be a slave, and you're not going to have a name. You're just going to be a thing. Mm -hmm. I'd say that's clear. That's very much a uh, a thing that gets to me uh in my fantasies um it is a fantasy and we're all aware of that and i think the thing i've had to come and learn over time the difference between the fantasy and reality mm -hmm. and i uh, i think that's one of the things i try and do really hard now 
in my advocacy work and in my own stuff like this where I'm trying to explain that to younger people now and be like, don't make the same mistakes I did. Uh huh. Okay, then. Let, speaking of mistakes, what what are sort of the, the go-to <laughs> fables of mistakes past? Because uh, you said that, you know, there were, like, it sounds like you had amazing experiences of people introducing you to things, but it is just also such an unfortunate thing that we have to kind of be lucky in a way that, we have the right people showing us these things. So, well, I would say I've, for the most part, I have been very fortunate to meet lovely people who are generally well intentioned. My mm -hmm. first handler in Bristol for a while, who kind of taught me the basics of putt play, helped me like get in a sense of the headspace, would do things like give me the basic commands of like, you know, if I say sit, you're going to sit a certain way. If mm -hmm. I tell you to, uh, to go to a position or if I start to, you know, if I snap my fingers a certain way, I want you to heal, you know, or there you go, you know, if, you, if I say heal boy, you know, I expect you in a certain place next to my, you know, on my right side or whatever. So it was that kind of more old guard kind of commands, but at the same time, I was enjoying it because for me, what do people do with their dogs? They they train them. They they, right. they train them to do vocal commands. So if the, if you say down boy, get off the sofa, you know, the dog only understands the 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 kind of simple words mm -hmm. um and that was what was quite fun but also there was that challenge of trying to remember that each command had a certain uh response that i had to adapt so that was kind of fun because there was a bit of a game being played mm. which was really enjoyable and at times though the going to see him was a good escape you know there were times when i was still trying to find work at the time when i had a shitty landlord and um, just being able to go to his house and, you know, get away for an afternoon or go for a night, spend the night that his was just a nice, a nice way to uh, forget the stresses of the world. Mm. So would you say you're very much headspace based when it comes to play in general? Um, or just with puck play? I mean, ideally, my ideal partners and my ideal kink plays headspace based mm -hmm. a lot of the time you know same with some of the rubber play i still have had dabbled a few times in gimp play and wanting to be more of a rubber gimp at times and having again that dehumanizing aspect or having that kind of objectification um but uh that's a more specialist i have to be in the right mood and i have to be the right person um yeah because i have to really for me, that's a stepping into a much deeper, more trusting relationship or dynamic because you're giving a lot more control to the dominant in those circumstances than a puppy or a dog. Where I feel like with pup play, you you have the liberty to say no more or to at least fuck with the uh, mm -hmm. the dom more in a playful way of being like, <laughs> "I'm going to chew your socks now," or yeah. "I'm going to I'm going to pull your laces off your boots because I can." <laughs> <laughs> that will teach you not to muzzle me, bitch. <laughs> um, but but of course, like, that's how you earn punishments. Uh, it depends what kind of punishments you want. I'm definitely someone, and I'm never quite sure how to uh, phrase this, but I'll do my best. And maybe you've heard somebody else say it before. But I'm very much someone who likes my doms to be assertive in a certain way. So, uh, use of phraseology, keywords. 
but also just the way they genuinely like assert themselves. So as I said, leash play is a massive thing for me. So being a puppy, the idea of someone coming up to me and putting me on a leash and like pulling on the leash and being like, you know, heal, come here, or you know, or just the fact that I'm actually on a leash and someone is like, aha, you're you're not getting away now because I've leashed you. That's fun for me. You know, you know, the whole collaring process can be very erotic every time you want to kneel before someone and bow your head down and let them put your collar on for a session it's always really fun um and so there's always something about that kind of aspect of play about giving up control or just the fact that someone acts in a dominant way the way they you know we had a little bit of that ourselves in some interactions you know the way someone speaks to you the way someone um approaches you yeah uh for me the confidence is a huge must uh, yes. i've always yeah. i've always said whenever i go to an event that you can that i have to feel the dom's energy kind of draw me in and there are certain doms who i see or know who they just have to give me a glance i'm just like <laughs> you know i'm just there and it i'm just, straight uh, out yeah um <laughs> eyes wide tongue out I've just written down in big letters, brat. <laughs> I wouldn't class myself as one, though, because I, I okay. consider myself more of a service dog because I like being in the Omega. Uh, right, right, right. I see what you mean. Um, yeah, I definitely like being in that middle space, and I definitely like to play with a dom. Yeah. But for me, it's testing the boundaries because I like to be broken in. You, you need to be able to dominate me. Otherwise, I might turn the tables on you. I think for me, it's... I want to be dominated, but at the same time, I don't want to be a pushover. Mm -hmm. I like the idea that, and I think a lot of doms like this too, and you definitely read about this in some dominance profiles, that they don't just want submissive to be kind of completely willing. And I don't say that in terms of a consensual, non-consensual way, not mm -hmm. at all. But in the sense of, yes, we've negotiated what the dynamic is going to be, but I like yep. the whole you know one of my friends is an alpha dog he comes over from america sometimes and we play at certain events you know he and i will literally tussle on the bed for 15 minutes while he tries to get the collar on me yeah once he's got it on i'm very yes. compliant yeah. but it's that whole fun of you've got to yeah you've got to work earn you've got to earn the right to well because yeah a good a good dom will will win that fight right will sort of break you or, or whatever it I'll is I'll probably let them, but I again, it's, right, right. for me, it's part of the foreplay for me. The, yes, but they're asserting their dominance, right? They're they're showing, they're demonstrating to you that oh, I'm I'm gonna do it. You give me a challenge, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. And so I love that chase in the in the play, and it it really yeah, it's that foreplay moment. But then again, I've also had it the other way, where somebody doesn't want like if the end goal is not to give up the brattiness, then what are we doing? Like you, there has to be a moment where you're like, okay, now I'm gonna submit because that's then fun for both of you. Yeah, as I say, I mean, for me, I think it's um, it's, it's 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 I don't want to be bratty in the sense of I don't want to piss off the, the dom. Um, but at the same time, one of the things lessons I've learned over the years better behave then. Oh, um, <laughs> but what I mean is, um, one of the things I've learned is obviously to not be afraid to talk about issues or mm -hmm. you know. If you know, if there's an example, you know, examples I always bring up are like, let's say you've had a bad day at work or you've been stressed by something. If you, when you go to a session with someone that maybe you play with regularly, if something's on your mind, be honest with them. Tell them, hey, this is something I don't really want to do today because of this or this, but can we do this instead? You know, so yeah. I can't do X today, but can we do Y? 
Um, and I think um, that's important, and that's something that I've learned is that as a sub, I have that responsibility because again, yes. I coming at it from the fantasy perspective of you are the dog or you are the slave, the master or the whoever has complete control and will dictate everything. It's like mm, not always, and and I think that was one of the lessons I learned eventually was this, this, was that um, I have my own agency, and in my and I'm sure a lot of young things just feel the same. But when I was that, when I was that age, you know, 10, 10, eight years ago, having that kind of excited desire to, you know, get involved in the scene, to to realize your fantasies and to to do what you think is what the Dom wants you to do can sometimes be to your own detriment. You know, mm. I've had a t- I had a couple of people. There's one uh, handler who I consider now to have been, when I look back on it, to have been an abusive handler. Mm-hmm who for about a year or so would, um, you know, text me at stupid times of the evening, demand I'd come visit him at social hours, things like that. Uh, And I would sometimes comply partly out of fear of punishment or Mm. fear of upsetting him because I was like, well, it's my job to be a good boy and and be there. You know, he would often have, um, he he was vending stuff, so he would have sometimes drag me to uh, help him vend his stuff at, um, events and such and half a time it was getting to a point where I was getting burnt out because he was literally every weekend or every other weekend I'm like well I want to go and spend a weekend I don't know doing my own thing like I don't mm-hmm. know creatively pursuing my photography or just seeing my friend my own friends yeah and he just didn't understand or wasn't caring of that because he would be like well you're my puppy and I need my puppy to help me with my with my job or with my work right now so you know, mm. so I got to a point after about just under a year where I just felt really burnt out and tired and left that, um, left that handler. Um, and, uh, that affected me for about a, a year or so. I basically dipped out of the community for about a year and I almost left, you know, just cause I was feeling like, uh, it didn't know if I was, if the scene was for me, I was worried about other people coming and treating me the same way you know you read profiles on recon and other places and the way some some doms message or treat subs is appalling and uh, that was why for me i always have such a high esteem for the title holding communities because that was what turned everything around for me you know finding the, the title community going to the first mr puppy uk contest attending that spectator that was where i met my next handler for the next five six years who then helped rebuild me and helped me get the confidence back to be well who i am now you know be this outreach and be this community leader that i would have never imagined 10 years ago (laughs) you know um to to have gone up there ran for two titles well three titles including the european one so two uk titles one european one um, and to then obviously do my my photography uh bring that into the fold and now be a, a respect you know this seemingly respected kinky photographer um was never on the cards but uh-huh. originally all i wanted to do is just just be a cute puppy and have fun living out my my fantasies but uh in some ways the real reality is better because you make these wonderful friends who you meet in all circumstances from all over the world and they're just the loveliest people yes and look what look at what you've done in in this time as well but before we talk about um titles though because i do want to go into that um 
you i just want to touch on what you said because you made a really good point that you have your own agency and that is always true no matter what kind of a submissive space you are in if you're bound you know whatever it is you always have your own agency fantasy and reality are two different things and it's fun to play with them and blend them but you are still a good boy when you're asserting your boundaries and a good dom listens and is going to respect that ultimately the sub has always the ultimate power which is to to stop whatever play is happening because you know play is a negotiation it's an intimate one but it's a negotiation and so exactly what you were saying about like you have to communicate effectively with one another and it's a don's job to listen to how you're feeling that day whether or not you know you're in the right space to be playing to respect your boundaries to let you see your friends to not text you in the middle of the night and expect you to come over because that's the fantasy of of the roles that you know we're in and so we talk about safety a lot on this podcast but um for people listening is there something you is is there like one thing you've learnt and taken from these experiences that you wish you'd had earlier i know it's really hard to condense these into like bite-sized things but you know i've i've made so many mistakes i make mistakes all the time we all do but that yeah i mean that aren't enough of us out there I don't think who you know are easily accessible to to listen to these these stories. So is there something that you just wish you could have heard that might have made things a bit easier for you? Um, I think twofold. One is exactly that that you know, as a sub, we have responsibilities and agency, and we shouldn't be afraid or feel wrong to speak up. Um, that was definitely one. Excuse me. The second, and I think about this now more as someone who looks at new people joining who want to have a pack or buy gear or whatever. And that's just from one, from an elder pup to a younger pup or to an, you know, younger Kingster, I would say, be, be cautious, be, take your time. Don't feel like you need to dive headstrong into everything. Um, yes, you're excited. Yes. We're thrilled that you have found the community and that you want to indulge in something that maybe you've, you've, you've wanted to do from a long time. But I think it's, 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 pacing yourself don't be afraid to pace yourself don't be afraid to talk to the community i think one of the problems back when i started was that recon hadn't didn't find recon for a couple of years i was on a site for a while called slave boys i don't know if that one's one you've heard of but there was a site called slave boys that was around for a while so i was on that one for a bit and then i found recon later i have never used grinder i've never been someone who liked grinder so i've never used to that so i'm not someone who has any experience with that but again all the stories i hear from my friends and from people i see on social media talking about it seems to never be anything but bad news so i don't know why it yeah. continues to be so popular <laughs> but i guess yeah. some people want to get fucked so you know um more power to them <laughs> um but i think yeah the biggest thing i can say from my time having been a pup now for 12 years is just don't feel like you need to do everything at once things take time you will eventually get the gear that you dreamed of it might take you five years but you'll get it don't feel uh, and hopefully the people around you won't pressure you into doing something you're not ready for and also if something feels wrong take you know take your gut instinct but also ask around if so if you're not sure about a dom someone approaches you wants to play with you or messages you ask around does anybody know this person does anybody 
Can anybody validate who this person is? So I, I think uh, those are things that I would say. It's great that we're ex you know excited and we want to try new things and we want to do stuff. But um, pace yourself and find the and try to find the right people. It can be frustrating sometimes. Trust me, especially for those of you who are in more rural areas, maybe don't have as much choice in who to play with who's local but then this we, we have the glory of the internet these days anyone anywhere can talk to anyone so you know i've had people i've talked to people from all over the world and um i urge the community to be more of a continue to be a community we need to be looking out for each other and we need to we need to be uh, focusing more on these sorts of issues and less on silly things that don't matter to anybody <laughs> uh there we go that, that that's my attempt to try and <laughs> bubble that down into a fantastic pageant answer <laughs> um no yeah no i i'm totally with you there and of course i mean the whole it, it, the internet has changed the game and especially you know someone like me with such a such a weird niche kink you know for years i was talking to people on like the furthest reaches of the of, of the world and i'm lucky that i grew up being able to do that just to see that you know i wasn't alone so okay so you've ran for uh mr puppy twice 2018 2023 yeah. um i've been the runner-up twice i was the runner-up in 2018 and i was the runner-up this year so i'm the currently the runner-up okay so i i want to know what that title means to you and what the experience running was like because my understanding of pedantry is very shallow. I, I know nothing of this world. So what 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 is it really that turned you onto it and and what was that like? Well, as I alluded to a little earlier, it's gonna be somewhat personal, my reasons mm -hmm. for why title holding means more to me than some people. Uh partly for me it was kind of as I say, it gave me a a new purpose in the community, it gave me a new goal, gave me new friendships and basically help to uh give me stability and family chosen family that i didn't previously have when i was basically lost and adrift as i said after my um my negative experiences so i was asked by a friend who um, um wanted to basically said hey there's a event coming up in birmingham do you want to go along and watch it? Because this was the very first one in the UK at the time. Um, so we went to the venue in Birmingham. And of course, because it was a, a contest that we knew there was going to be no thing, nothing happening. So I wasn't worried about someone coming up and trying to, you know, drag me into a dark room or something. Yeah. Um, so I, I was like, fine, I'll go along. And I met a whole bunch of people who are still friends to this day. And as I say, for six years, my handler, I, I met at this event. So... We went and watched the contest. We watched uh, Spot uh, get elected as the first UK title holder. I was just there as a as a spectator that year. I was just hanging around, talking to people, watching the festivities. I wasn't taking photos. I wasn't uh, the photographer. They had somebody else doing that. But I would run around and met people, talk to people, and just enjoyed the the fun of the event. I got to obviously know. Uh, my hand, the person who became my handler during that time, during that year, I also was getting more involved in helping him with the title events because he was helping to run the organization. So that meant that's how I got kind of bought into it because they were like, you know, I was basically a uh, mule dog, you know, <laughs> fetch this, run that, grab me that, I need that, or help me with this, or can you carry these folders or papers or whatever, you know, just basically helping out behind the scenes and being a volunteer for a while 
And then after some years of that, I got more involved. I became the photographer for the event for some years. Continued to do photography for both the European and UK events and other events. I've done the official portraits for Puppy Island. I'm doing stuff with um, with events in London. So I just, I just had a photo shoot literally a couple of days ago with Lon Mr. London Lever, um, stuff like that. And, you know, I photographed with uh, internet with four international puppies now from around the world, mostly from the United States. So for me, title holding uh, has opened me up to a whole bunch of people who are generally doing amazing voluntary work, who care about, a lot about the community and about the well-being of, of its members. And, and again, being someone who had a negative experience and doesn't want to see anyone go through that kind of experience, having that opportunity to share that experience with other people or just work with other people around the world to to try and make the community a better place for everybody is just something that speaks to me because i half the time i have more fun and satisfaction from doing that than playing and in fact in some years i've played less and been doing a lot more social and I've tried to correct that since the pandemic because just before the pandemic happened when we had our last darklands literally days before international pandemonium blew up um you know we had that that year and then i went and looked at the photos or looked at what happened afterwards and went oh i don't have any photos of me <laughs> at this event just before a lockdown happened mm. where i didn't then see my friends for like two years or whatever and you, and so that was a kind of reminder of oh don't forget to have fun yourself and so I try to now with some of these big events every year, try to um, arrange a night off where I actually go and do stuff with my friends or find someone that I can uh, have a play session with. It's gone. It's gone literally the opposite way where I went from, I'm in it to play and I'm trying to find people to play with to everything is volunteering, advocacy work, photography, and then barely play. And now I'm trying to find that sweet spot where mm -hmm. I can do a bit of both. I'm interested in what really inspired you because getting involved, I guess my question really is, can anyone win? Because my assumption from an outsider's perspective would be that, you know, oh, you, you have to be able to, you know, either afford expensive custom gear to compete or or the other side of it, which is more personal, which is like, you know, a lot of people, myself included, might not consider themselves you know, quote unquote, enough of a pup to to compete and don't don't involve themselves enough in one aspect of it. You know, whether that be you know headspace or, or or whatever it is. And so, I guess from an outside perspective, it can kind of seem like it's not available to everyone. Um, I think there's been progress has been made in that area. So there was a time, of course, when it was known as the Mister Puppy UK contest only, and so it was therefore at that point only males or male presenting people who could take part now it's known as puppy uk same for the european contest uh, mm -hmm. where we allow trans non-binary female male uh, so we've opened up in that regard of trying to be more inclusive to the community um with regards to contests you know i've ran in three of them so from that perspective I've and also from someone who's volunteered and watched people compete over the years, I would say there is obviously going to be a a skill set that you need to be good at to do this. Um, generally, we say anybody's welcome to try it, and that's true. Unless we have a year like this year, 
European puppy where there was 12 of us trying to get in and there was eight slots and they had to have a uh-huh. preliminary round and eliminate four people yep. early in a semi-final, if you want to call it that. Um, but generally, most contests, you you generally get whoever has applied. And so one of the things I'm always trying to tell people um, is if you think you've got the skill set to give it a shot, even if you, like myself, don't get it, you're going to learn, you'll meet people. You, it's a great way to 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 uh, meet the community more broadly. Um, even someone like myself, the last couple of years, this last year when I ran in both the UK and European elections, basically back to back, which was not planned, by the way. I was not planning to run for Europe straight after losing the UK, uh, UK contest. Um, but everyone was like, you should do it because um, there was no UK entrant. The former UK mm-hmm. title holder didn't want to run for the European title that year. And there was a vacancy and everyone was going, you should do it. You should do it. So I, I wasn't planning to go for a back-to-back title run, um, but I, I tried that. And what was what was touching for me on both occasions has, has been the, the outpouring of support from around the world, but also just going to, say, Darklands this year as a candidate, which I've never had, and just having people from Austria, Australia, Norway, Canada, Netherlands, France, Germany, you know, from all over the world going, oh, nice to meet you. I, I voted for you online. I'm like, I don't know who you are, but thank <laughs> you. But apparently they know who I am, you know. Yeah. And it's just that weird feeling of, but one lovely feeling of knowing, I guess, that you have some sort of validation that you have been making a difference. Because sometimes when you're you're doing what you do day to day, you yourself don't see that or don't feel that, I guess. and. I mean, I don't do it for that. I mean, that's the other thing I'm always telling people is I'm not, I don't do what I do because I'm expecting to get cheap travel or meet meet sexy people. I just do what I do because I, I enjoy it and it gives me validation. And, and, and one of the biggest things for me when it comes to the photography aspect quickly is just, is when you do take photos of people, including people who I don't know, but I go to Darklands, I'll see someone and think, you look great. Can I take some photos of you? And you publish them in, you know, a huge album of other, you know, you had this experience at Pride yourself. I just go around and photograph as many people as mm-hmm. I can because everyone deserves deserves it. I don't see, I'm not someone trying to exclude anyone. So my own philosophy is we're not trying to exclude people. We want people to be involved, um, but it's their choice. We can't force anyone to do this. And also when it comes to the selection of title holders, we can only select title holders based on who runs so if we have had um, you know we've unfortunately had some difficult years with some members and we've had to take the title away from some people regretfully but for those who want to critique the title and say that we're electing people who are not worthy of it well we can only pick from who who throws their hat in the wing we can't select someone from outside the circle is it not the circle that's the wrong word but if if five people enter one year, we can only pick from those five people. Even if you think someone else is more deserving, they didn't they didn't choose to submit. They didn't choose to run. So we can't pick them, you know. Yeah. It's why I did try a second time, because so many people were like, look, you, you got close the first second the, the first time, you've learned a lot more, you're more well known now, people respect you, why don't you try again? Um and one of the reasons I didn't run and for a while was I wanted to give that platform to other people. I didn't want to feel like I was taking the um the opportunity for someone else who i felt was more deserving of a title mm-hmm. uh, but that's just how i feel about it but so people urged me to try it so i tried it again and i got second place again uh, which is fine 
Uh, it was a very tight race. I'd say uh, it's very good. I, I mean, I, I mean that's impressive both times. Well, I'm touched. I'm flattered um, because the contest format for me is not my strongest suit. I'm an introvert. I'm not someone who's very comfortable on stage. I'm not someone who does a lot of public speaking. I'm not someone who uh, has some of those have all of those skills to the best of their ability. But as you can probably tell, I'm passionate and I care. And I think that's the, the biggest thing is that I'm someone who's looking for the well-being of the community more so than my own self-interest. And I think my fear and the fear of some people is that there are people running for these contests who are in it purely for themselves. Mm-hmm. But again, we can only pick from the people who we have in our, uh, who have selected, who have put themselves forward. So it's a it's a tricky one, Matt. Um, but but yeah, most contests we have an application form. We might ask you some basic questions about you know why do you want to run for this title or what have you done or you know do, have you got any you know previous experience with regards to gear and stuff. Uh, I think the aspect of the the pageantry of it can be a, a pain, but I think that especially in the pub community. It's less of an issue. Mm-hmm. There are leather contests and rubber contests where there are right. entire categories to do with how you look. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't exist, at least in our contests in the puppy community. We don't have that. We're more judging people on their character, their their volunteering, and what their pledges are when they when they when they run, you know, what their goals are for their, their title year. That's more what we're judging people on than how sexy you look. I'm sure for the public vote, that might come into play with some people in the audience. But again, that's up to the the audience to decide. Mm-hmm. Um, and the audience the audience score is normally about twenty percent or so of the overall score. The judges obviously make up the majority of it. Um, but the audience could, in a very close election, have a sway on mm-hmm. on breaking, say, a tie or something. I always look to best practice overseas. So again, the Americans, a lot of them have got. Uh, really amazing titles, some of which have been going for nearly 20 years now. You know, the International Puppy Contest has is, is been going for nearly 12 years. It was founded in 2001. And then you've got, you know, International Boot Black and others that are, mm. are, um, have got some uh, amazing people. No, I guess the thing that I was curious about more was because pageants have American origins, do you get, like, I guess a lot of cynicism over here that there's sort of an initial... Um, I don't know, it's still kind of new and there's not really a cultural basis. You know, I, I guess something like the bull scene has more of a history of being this cultural reclamation, whereas I think it might still be that people are sort of um, still sort of see it as like, oh, are we competing for who's the best at being themselves, you know, as opposed to seeing that it's it's more about community and and advocacy and outreach and, and and less about placing rules on you know something that's already subversive. Is that something you face with like Brits? Um, I think that that's possible. I I don't want to paint the British community in the wrong way. Absolutely, I I think there's some. Cynicism. So you hate everyone here? Okay, great. No, no. we've got it on record. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 absolutely. I'm sure, I know plenty of people in this in other countries who have been title holders of their respective mm-hmm. nations, who have got people in their own communities who are critical or cynical of of their years as well. It's always going to happen to some degree, I think. Sure, um, yeah. 
But I, I think the biggest thing I can say is just that the title is there for those who, like myself, care about them and want to give them purpose and meaning and um, support the, the community outreach and education programs that some of these title holders are trying to do. Uh, so for me, that's something that takes up a lot of my time and also helping to network with each other. You know, there are, there are title holders all the time going, oh, I want to meet this person, but I don't know them. Can you put me in touch? Or mm -hmm. they want to come visit London and they'll come and stay with me and I'll take them around or take them to a local pub event and introduce them to the scene and show them what the puppy scene in the UK is like compared to their respective country. And we can have that conversation about what's different. I understand some people's criticism and i say this in terms of constructive criticism where we could do better mm -hmm. where we could do more um but at the same time it's not a full-time job you know people who are doing this are volunteering they're doing yeah. it out of their own time their own money and their mental health is important too you know one of my uh, one of my friends is the current uh, puppy france he needs to take some time off for his own mental health he's feeling burnt out he's still the title holder he's not taking up he's not relinquishing the title but he's made it clear that he is going to take some a bit of time to uh to just focus on the second half of his title year so i think that's another thing we have to recognize is that these people are just as vulnerable or fragile as everyone else and we shouldn't be putting too much stress or, or ne you know needless criticism on them well and the um, expectation as well because your your mental health is just as important as your physical health and that's something that the world at large is still i think not very good at you know uh, recognizing or acknowledging so it doesn't matter your title or your responsibility it is responsible of you to to take it is you know the right thing to do to take take care of your mental health and do what you need to do yeah i just think that there's there's sometimes an issue of some people will go oh well you know we elected someone to do this thing and we haven't heard or seen them in six yeah. months so what did we select the right person and i'm like mm -hmm. that's not always the best way to criticize someone because maybe they're doing a lot of stuff and outreach behind the scenes that you just don't see or maybe there's someone who doesn't want to always make a big um big show and tell about what they're getting up to Mm. Um, although I do think sometimes communication is an issue for us. I think that um, I hope that having conversations like this on a public forum are helpful to people to understand what the mission of the UK organization is and what it's, you know, what the titles are, are trying to achieve or what they, they stand for. Mm. Because I do think sometimes there is that confusion about, well, what is it? Is it a pageant? Is it this? Is it that? While it has a pageant vibe, yeah. It's not about voting the cutest or sexiest puppy. It is about listening to what they have to say, their ideas, seeing how they carry themselves and, and you know, trying to to elect someone who we feel is going to, as I say, be a good role model, at least in my eyes. It's about, it, for me, I see the title as helping to inspire and um, be a point of contact for younger people wanting to join or looking for advice and just being someone that people can go to and be like, hey, I want to, you know, ask about where I can find gear. Mm -hmm. or where can I find a local event? Or I want to uh, I want to do this or meet, you know, it's just being that helpful person. I mean, and again, there are plenty of us who do that without titles. And I think that's the other big thing we're always telling people is you don't need a title to do good in this community. If you want to start an event, if you right. want to create create something. The title can maybe help you get some extra networking or maybe a bigger microphone or megaphone, but it's also just as well to just come 
talk to title holders or people without one and just be like, hey, I, I have an idea. Can, can I get your support or your help with this? And like at the end of the day, I mean, there's no, you know, quote unquote, fitting in in kink. So anything that's celebratory of our weirdness, like let's celebrate our weirdness. I mean, like at its core, I think it's it's always wonderful to see people celebrating being themselves. And as you say, there are so many people behind the scenes doing so much. It's not all just about who's the who's the best part. <laughs> To which end can we expect to see you run again in 2024? Um, probably not this year. Um, I think I've decided to take a year out just okay. to, to, to to rebuild and, and to do some other things. I want to continue my photography. And also, um, I'm someone who felt like they gave a lot of their efforts towards these two contests because the European contest was a whole nother mm. level that I wasn't prepared for initially and then threw myself into. And again, didn't do as badly as I thought I would, considering I literally decided to do it at the last minute and was not a title holder, because a lot of people who go for the European contest yeah. are already national title holders. And then they they stand for the European election at the end of their, their national year. So I think I think I got um I think I placed fourth out of twelve people. So I think that's pretty good. But again, um, it's not about that, really. It's more about, for me, what was great about doing that was self-improvement. Self, for me, the biggest thing about doing the titles has been the self-confidence and, and, and improving my own social skills, my own presentation skills, and trying to be a better person. Mm. Um, so one of the things for me that doing Darklands this year as a contestant for European Puppy was a huge personal win was getting up on that stage you know this enormous i don't know if you've ever seen the stage at darklands but it is enormous and and can when you're standing up there on and you've got all these floodlights and spotlights on you and you have a crowd of like 200 people or more uh out there and you can barely see them as well you know because it's the lights of the stage are on you um i I had been asked some years previously by the volunteers group, you know, by the vol other volunteers, like, hey, do you want to help, I don't know, present one of the uh, prizes or do you want to just come and stand out here We're on the stage when we do the presentations? And I was just like, nope, nope, I'm happy hiding behind the stage and just <laughs> watching from behind the curtain. I'm good. Uh, and then, you know, you know, four or five years later to then, you know, be out there on stage as a contestant and performing and speaking. And it's... Uh, if anything, that's a mark of progress that one feels proud of to, yeah, to look amazing. back on and, and think about my own journey and how I have overcome a bunch of my own fears and my own. Yeah. I, and then for me, that's another thing for the titles that is, again, on a personal level, means a lot is this idea of seeing how I have grown as a person and as a, as a, as a member of the community. We just all have shared values and common ideas that we all go, yeah, that's we all agree on this, right? This is a, dire a direction we want to go, and this is what we want to see from our community. And so we generally just have shared shared goals, and that's what we're all doing together is just trying to uphold a a better community that is looking out for its members, is looking after people's mental health, is helping to make sure that young members aren't aren't predatorily abused by mm. um, doms who are looking to pick on. You know, yeah. vulnerable 
uh, vulnerable newcomers who don't know, like I said earlier, who don't know the the rules of the totally. game. It's that sort of thing, you know, making sure that our events are more accessible and that we have um, that we have places that allow people from all walks of life to come. Um, yeah, there's 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 always work to be done, and and I think it's it's being conscious of that of going where can we where can we do things where can we improve where can we be um, vocal you know obviously all of us at the moment are being very uh, a lot of us are being very passionate about trying to encourage more women in to the community and yeah. trying to push yeah. on trans rights as well and make sure that our trans members are safe and protected and feel like they're uh, not not feeling um, fearful or vulnerable I'm really trying to put my uh put my efforts in to what i care about so you know trying to take photos of people from around the community whether they're a puppy who literally you know i went to an event in dublin and there was a rubber puppy there and he's like this is my first time at a pup event this is the first time i've ever worn this rubber suit you know uh-huh. all that and i'm just like looks great on you can i take a picture you know and i'm taking photos of this rubber puppy who's literally never been to an event before just as giving him the same amount of time or the same uh, approaching and talking to him in the same way as I would Mr. International Puppy, you know, or whatever. I'm trying to make sure people feel welcomed. Uh, and I think there was, um, I don't know if you've um, heard of the Dog Dish, another podcast. They had a recent mm-hmm. episode about how you welcome can welcome people into the community and how how impactful that can be with new people. And I think that's another thing that title holders do a really good job of. And one of the reasons why they're important is they do a very good job when they attend events of making sure that new members do feel welcome and that they, uh, they have that, they have someone that they can go to, as I say, and ask for help or just ask dumb questions <laughs> and, and get an answer without being looked at like, Oh, what you don't know. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I mean, there's, I, I love seeing, cause you know, we all come from different walks of life and we have different skills and different experiences and different talents and it's just nice to see you know you don't have to be doing you don't have to be solving all the world's problems if you are good with a camera you can put that to use and you can serve the community doing what you do and what you're good at and what you love doing you know and that is i think the the thing that i find so fun about meeting people in this community it's like everybody engages with it in a different way and 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 brings brings so many different things to it okay i want to ask you obviously you're a pup and i know you like your leather and your rubber and your whatnot and i get the impression that you're a bit of a slave can we talk about diapers (laughs) yeah we can talk about all sorts i mean um it's something that i've I've been dabbling in over the years, absolutely. Okay, because I did not know that about you, and I was very pleasantly surprised. Um, but always curious how that happens for people, because it's it, it, you know it came super late for me. So walk me through it, diaper dog. <laughs> well, for me, it was one of those things that first came up uh, about uh, ten or eight years ago. I was at a friend's house and. They uh, they were more into it than I was, obviously, because I'd never been into it at all. And they were like, oh, you should try one. Here, let us get you one. And they put it on me. And I was like, after 10 minutes, I was just like, nope, nope, take it off, take it off. Mm-hmm. was not thinking I was going to be into it at all. And for a while, I didn't think I would be. But there were aspects to it to its, uh, that, 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 that certainly attract me. You know, it's a snug, 
the uh the again the humiliation factor to a degree is fun yeah the um again being a service dog there are there are ways you can play with with padding in a in a in a scene that are quite enjoyable whether it be you know snoofing or mm -hmm. someone deciding to you know pull the waistband back and take a leak in you uh, -huh. uh all of that can be quite fun and of course good dogs don't need to take potty breaks no there's also that i guess as a puppy you get to play with the idea of being house trained or whatever uh -huh. so i'm sure that can be that can be quite fun sometimes and also as someone who likes bondage and being in a dog cage it is certainly nice sometimes to be padded up be put into a dog cage for a night and just be able to sleep comfortably in the cage knowing that you don't have to worry about mm -hmm. waking up the owner yep. to go to the bathroom so <laughs> yeah i have slept in not an have you slept in an actual dog cage i have yes and okay. i've also slept in ones made for people yeah a bit more roomy. yeah yeah, yeah. I, i've only slept in in a cage that was like people sized and that was very fun i've done that with like you know it, that that person had it had it filled with uh plushies and toys as well so once you're locked in you, you just feel like a toy in the toy box and there's all, he's also got like a um a camera in there so you can watch what you what you get up to um which also just added to the whole feeling like i had absolutely no agency whatsoever but i can only imagine that a dog cage is rather uncomfortable it can be there are uh, uh, there are ways to there's only so many ways to sleep in it it's often going to be you have to kind of tuck your legs in and uh -huh my back hates me some days when, uh -huh. when i when i've if i've ever had that play session um but um it depends if you've got a big pile of nice cushions as you say and a blanket and stuff and you can kind of fold yourself in neatly and and rest up that way it can be it can be all right um and again depending on the cage if you've got enough space i'm my you can see how tiny my my arms are um if you can squeeze an arm or a foot through a bar give yourself that little bit of extra uh, uh -huh. room then uh, then that helps sometimes too um the other way i've loved i've loved playing before and uh, is just being on my leash and having that like tied to a post or something and mm. sleeping with my uh, collar yep. and leash on or whatever and and oh, stuff that, that's always that's always fun as well Good point. and again don't get that don't get that enough we'd like to get that more oh okay that can be easily arranged <laughs> oh <laughs> Good puppy. Um, okay, I'm just looking at the time. Do you have a yay for the day for me? Uh, for me, today's yay would be sunshine. Yay! Yeah, the weather is turning nicer, uh, which is uh, is great for photos too. as well because I, I like all the bright colours and everything. It's uh, the world looks more colourful when the sun's out. I'm such a like. I don't know if I'm vitamin D deficient, but I the winter is so hard for me. Oh but, yeah absolutely i i uh i definitely suffer from the the uh, seasonal um what do they call it the uh, seasonal affective yeah, disorder yeah i think i definitely suffer from that for two reasons one um i can't uh do as much photography in daylight right um, because there's less of it um, which sometimes doesn't matter because i do get the chance to then dabble more in night photography which is quite fun for some of my uh some stuff but at the same time i can't often then wear a lot of the pop gear out to events mm. as easily as i would like to because yeah. you're having to wear like five million layers of jumpers and coats yeah. and stuff and then shred it all up, then dump it all off at, at a venue while in the summer i can just literally turn up with a 
with my jacket and just unzip it and I've yeah. got, you know, just or even half a time, just that is my gear, my kink gear, you know, because I've gotten more into trackies and jackets and things over the last uh, five, six years. Again, something that was totally not something I was into or oh, cared about. But I, then I was just like, it's so comfortable. Yes. It's so, it's so easy. Why did I not dress right. like this sooner? I am all about the comfy gear. I am all about comfy gear. And I say that having just gotten the custom rubber catsuit and, and about to go pick up custom leather. And I'm like, why have I done this to myself? <laughs> uh, okay, that's a great one because I uh, it's uh, this weekend was the first time that I've been able to go outside and just a t-shirt and it's making me so happy already. Um, okay, so my yay for the day is <laughs> going to be um, my Dungeons and Dragons campaign because my partner is the DM and these are these are all just vanilla friends, but um, most people who play D and D will tell you that you know, campaigns come and go and they start and they end and, and whatever. We've been doing this for five years and these, it's just a small group of us, but we like, we've managed to stick it out, stuck it out through the pandemic, started doing it online. And just this weekend, we had them all over for a big session and just to hang out and, and see each other and everything. And it was just so nice. And it's, it's, I think adult friendships are, you know, you see each other so little comparatively to like our teenage concepts of what a friendship is. And if you miss a life event, you just you just don't get the update. So um, it is really nice that we have this thing that brings us all together, and that and that we're we're still doing it. Same same campaign, same game, um, and that it's still just as fun. So yeah, that's going to be my yay uh, for the day. Anyway, uh, Pup Snap, um, thank you for joining me here on The Big Top. Where can people find you online? Uh, the best way to do it would be through my website, which is pupsnap.net. And then that has not just uh, a lovely portfolio of photography, but there are some links at the bottom of the site that have my recon, my Instagram, my Twitter, my Mastodon, all that. So that's the best way to find me is just go to that domain and you'll 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 get links to everything fantastic and as always you can find me on twitter at t stota uh, thanks so much for chatting with me today and join us next week as we go under the big top Hey guys, Barney here. I just want to take a quick moment to talk about the program that brings The Big Top to life, Zencaster. I use Zencaster for all my recordings, and since taking over The Big Top fully, I have actually tried other systems, but I ended up sticking with Zencaster. It's so easy to use. You don't have to download anything, just log in using your browser and start recording a high-quality podcast right away. It records studio-quality sound and up to 4K video with guests, along with a full suite of professional tools that let you produce and publish all from one dashboard. Being a creator has genuinely never been easier. And I love that I can send a simple link to my guests and we can record over a video call wherever they are in the world. Also, if you're like me and cannot stand the sound of your voice, Zencaster's built-in post-production process makes such a difference. 
It automatically removes ums and ahs, awkward pauses, reduces background noise, and makes me sound so much better. Plus, the hobbyist and Creator Plus accounts are always free to use. And their professional accounts are free to try for 14 days, no credit card required. Go to Zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use my code BIGTOP and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. I want you to have the same easy experience as I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story.